Welcome to the Healthcare Business Secrets Show, where we interview industry leaders and break down exactly how they're dominating their markets so you can learn from the best and can double your revenue, double your impact, and double your time off. In this episode, we're talking with Jeff Fenster. Jeff is a serial entrepreneur, Forbes professor, speaker, and founder at Everbowl, Superfuel Coffee, and We Build Stuff. Jeff was named top 100 entrepreneurs under the age of 35 by Impact showcase when he was just 30 years old. He was also recruited by Forbes to become an entrepreneur professor for their Forbes School of Business and Technology. Welcome to the show, Jeff. Thank you so much for having me. It's, a, it's truly a pleasure. And I just wish we were in person because I wish I was in New Zealand right now. I know, right? Everyone I bring on the show, I'm always saying to them, hey, have you been to New Zealand? Are you coming? And they, they all typically say, hey, look, I want to I wanna come down because it's nice down here. It's nice. It's away, away from the craziness. I mean, the, the pictures make it look like paradise. And from what I understand, like every beautiful movie that has outdoor scenery is all filmed down there. Yeah. And you kind of have this beautiful island all to yourselves. I know, right? It's lovely. Hey, look, I'm really excited to have you on the show. I think you've been doing some really cool stuff and um, love to pick your brain. And like we're talking in the pre-show, how we make decisions, how we navigate life reflects the success we have or don't have. And I think there's a big difference between people who do really well and people who struggle or just don't quite achieve their full potential by the way that they view problems and things like that. And that's why I really wanted to chat with you today. So give our audience some context on you. Give us some background. How'd you get to where you are? What are you doing at the moment? All that sort of thing. Yeah, sure. I'll give, the, I'll give you the quick and dirty back of my baseball card. But basically, I went to law school to be a sports agent. Graduated undergrad or university at 21 and went to law school, graduated at 24. My plan was to be a sports agent. I had a job lined up with who the movie Jerry Maguire was made after, but Lee Steinberg Sports Agency. And my third year of law school, I got engaged and I had a kid. And that really changed my perspective on life. And so I really wasn't sure what I wanted to do. And I graduated with six figures payroll company. Yeah. And my first six months there, I was extremely successful. I was uh, the number one sales rep in the country, first to make President's Club, uh, made six figures in six months. So I bought a house with my fiance. We had our wedding date all planned. And I earned this annual bonus of $17,000. And I went to my boss in January and said, of 2008, and said, I'd like my bonus. And they informed me that it was an annual bonus. So I'd have to wait to the end of the fiscal year, which wasn't until the end of June. And I'd get it the third week of July. And you know, being 24 with a big ego and top sales guy and having all this debt, I just wasn't comfortable with that. And so mm -hmm. long story short, I threatened to quit if they didn't give it to me. They called my bluff. So I went home that night, asked my fiance if she was comfortable with us selling our house we'd been in for less than two months, moving in with my mom and dad and letting me start my own payroll company out of my mom's kitchen. And uh, I jokingly say because she was my fiance at the time, she was totally supportive. And uh, that's what happened. Yeah. And so I literally quit my job as the number one sales rep in the country out of 2000 people. Moved in with my parents, sold my house, and started my own payroll company out of my mom's kitchen with a friend called iChex. I started that literally three months before the financial meltdown crisis of 2008 and grew that though. And we, you know, we, we persevered and, and raised private equity, sold it in 2011. I sold a recruiting agency in 2012. I then wanted to work remote and from home as my second child was born. And so I started a digital marketing agency where we worked with some of the largest websites on the planet, sold off most of my clients in 2015 and 2016. And then at the end of 2016, it was really time to do what I'm most passionate about, which outside of my family and business is health and wellness. And so I started mm -hmm. a, a health food concept called Everbowl, Everbowl Craft Superfood, where we basically provide superfood bowls with the idea of reinventing the fast food market here in the United States. And now it's been four years, but in four years, we have 35 locations in, in multiple states and we've had a ton of success. And then from there, I use a concept that has allowed me to be successful of vertical integration. And I vertically integrated a few other startups. Uh, I, I have my own construction company called WeBuild, 
where we actually build our own restaurants. I have my own super fuel coffee or it's called unevolved products, but super fuel coffee is the world's first acai infused coffee line. And we sell that on Amazon and in our retail stores as well as brick and mortar. And, and that's pretty much gets us up to the current where, where now I'm just making friends and having fun every day and getting to help everyone be their best self as I inspire people to unevolve. And that's a word I created and trademarked. And it means to move and eat the way you were meant to, to live mm. actively and eat stuff that's been around forever. And so Everbowl's yeah. tagline is made from stuff that's been around forever. And that's what we do. We provide food to help people be their best self. I love it. That's awesome. That's really cool. It leads me into, into an interesting point is, is like I said, like how you think about problems, how you navigate struggle. Most people, financial crisis happens and they crap the bed and it's all over and then they're struggling. You took it and said, I'm going to hustle. I'm going to work anyway. I'm going to sell it. And I presume you did reasonably well there. And then you're going to pivot into the next thing, pivot into the next thing. So do you have a self-awareness around how you make decisions in, in, in times of struggle? Do you look at problems differently or is it just kind of this thing, you, the superpower you're born with? No, I look at problems differently. And, and it's something that I always stop my teams and my employees with whenever we have a problem. People's first instinct is to solve the problem, right? Oh my gosh, this is happening. We have to solve it. I think that's a great thing to do. I just don't think it's the first step. And, and what I would recommend everyone else start to think about is ask yourself this question. Is solving that problem going to yield a solution that's going to allow us to be successful? Or what if we solve a different problem? Would that problem we're currently facing no longer exist? Mm. So what I mean is when I started Everbowl, my first restaurant cost me a quarter of a million dollars to build. I wanted to build 30 of them. So my problem was it cost too much money to build a restaurant. So people's first instinct is go raise money, right? I don't have enough cash to build as many of these as I want. Let's go raise a bunch of money. My first instinct is, well, wait, I can go raise all the money in the world. It's still going to be too expensive to build restaurants. The problem is it's too expensive to build restaurants. That's what I really want to solve. And so what I did is I started my own construction company because I don't have to make a profit building restaurants. I just have to build them as cheaply and as quickly and as efficiently mm. as possible. Instead of raising capital to go build a bunch of restaurants, I started a construction company so I could build them cheaper. So now the problem of restaurants being too expensive is gone. It also yeah. gives me another, another dog in the fight in building another company. So now I have another company that can yield profits if I choose to and allows me to scale and grow and develop. And a byproduct of that is I'm more exciting and enticing to investors because now I've already solved their biggest question mark, which is, well, yeah, I'm willing to give you money. I love your concept. But restaurants are really expensive and risky. Well, now yeah. they're less risky and less expensive because I've mitigated that problem. For example, in the financial crisis, I started my own payroll company and we get paid the more employees our customers have. So I can go sell a lot of customers and get a bunch of clients that have a lot of employees. But we're in the middle of a financial crisis and recruiting was a major pain point for a lot of my clients. So a lot of people would say, well, well you got to find more clients. You got to find more clients. Well, finding clients wasn't easy in the middle of a financial crisis. So how do I get more money out of my current clients? So what I did is I started a recruiting agency on the side where I helped my clients recruit better talent so they could have more paychecks so I could charge them more per paycheck and make more money and have a second company to sell a year later. So it's again, mm. it's about how you approach the problem and how you think about it. A lot of people's first instinct is to quickly solve it. And listen, if you knock the milk jug over on your counter and milk's pouring out, of course, pick it up. But sometimes the best question is, well, wait a second. What if we had a lid for the milk? Then even if you knock it over, it's not going to spill. Start asking yourself, what problem are you solving? And could you approach the problem differently? and solve something else that might be in your belly wick and make that problem no longer even valid or not really a pain point. And so that approach has really yielded great success for me over the years. 
it's something I think that people can really start to apply immediately. Next time you have a problem, just take that extra step and ask yourself, before I, I solve this problem, is there anything else I can do to make this problem disappear? And if mm. the answer is yes, sometimes that's going to create more opportunity for you and allow you to be successful at times when others are failing. Yeah, 100%. Because I think too many of us get we get focused on the problem that's in front of us and getting through it to the get to the next problem because we have this giant task list of crap, which is all just problems versus looking at what's the outcome we're trying to generate and what's the sidestep I can make that I get rid of all of that crap. And I've that's tried right. to, to look at things in the same way. Um, but now that you've said it, I'm really going to reassess some of the, the problems that I'm facing and think like, yeah, am I, am I sidestepping enough? Because I love what you said, right? It's expensive to build restaurants. So do I give up? Do I ask for more money? Or do I make a construction company that nets me cheaper restaurants when I build them and now I have a second company? And some people say, well, that's a lot of work and blah, blah, blah. It's like, yeah, well, it's a lot of work to have success. Like success is hard and, and <laughs> so is not having success. Pick your hard. And I think that when you're focused on, you know, you're very clear on your outcome, you know what needs to happen to get there and you have to move right. mountains. Like if your kid is sick, you know, take my kidney, chop my leg off, sell my house, I'm going to do what it takes. And I think a lot of us don't have that kind of drive around what we're doing in our business. And so we get into this mode of just firefighting. Well, and, and, I, and I think if I can add to that, I think the biggest problem, you know, when I speak to a lot of entrepreneurs and I, and I talk to them, the biggest challenge is if you don't really love what you're doing, then yeah, it's going to feel like a lot of work. You know, I'm a serial entrepreneur and I love startups. I love solving problems. An entrepreneur to me is simply a problem solver. That's just a nice term to call a problem solver, an entrepreneur. We solve problems. If you don't like solving problems, maybe you shouldn't be running your own company or you need to hire a chief of staff to handle those for you so you can focus on your trade. But mm. for me, starting another company to solve a problem sounds fun. It sounds like yeah. it sounds exciting. I, I, I'm already jonesing. Like, what else can we do? You know, for mm. me, scaling companies that is fully optimized and just making minor tweaks here and there, that's when they get boring to me. And I look to sell them or bring someone else in so I can go back to starting over and building them from scratch. So surrounding yourself with people who fill your gaps and make sure you're focusing your effort and energy in the areas that inspire you, it won't be more work. And you're right. Success is hard. It's hard, but it's not unobtainable. You know, I like to say I'm an ordinary guy and I do a bunch of the extra stuff, which might make me seem extraordinary, but everybody can do that. I'm not a rocket scientist. I can't, you know, I'm not the next Elon Musk sending rocket ships to space or, or building tunnels underneath Las Vegas or creating electric vehicles, you know, and most people aren't. And so I don't want anyone to feel intimidated. The truth is ordinary people who do the extra stuff become extraordinary just by default. And we all have that power. And it's just starting with simplifying things down to their easiest form whatever your business is, whatever your business case issues in front of you are, when you simplify it, you can start to really attack it in a unique and disruptive way and get rapid acceleration and rapid growth, which is then going to get that passion going and you're going to get energized because you're like, oh my gosh, look at all these amazing opportunities, right? Because just to add to that construction story, that was all fine and dandy in 2017. Now we're dealing with a worldwide pandemic where restaurants are struggling and things are tough. The fact that I can build stores so cheap we're still opening stores. We're expanding right now in the midst of a worldwide pandemic because people can open a restaurant for pennies on the dollar by joining Everbowl as a franchise, right? We're franchising internationally now. We're doing all these things that would never have been in our on our buffet table or our menu if all I was was a restaurant. So mm. while, I, yes, I solved my problem of restaurants being so too expensive by starting my own construction company, I also opened new doors. 
I've also created yeah. new opportunities yeah. and new verticals and new methods and ways for me to pivot and adjust my sales as necessary so we can survive the unknown and live and progress during times of uncertainty. 100%. I just want to add, if you've ever seen an interview of Elon, he's an ordinary dude. He's just got extraordinary resourcefulness and goals. You know what I mean? Like I feel like often we put people on these pedestals and, and part of that I think is also to protect ourselves. We feel like, well, if they're this awesome person, then that's why they're, they're like this and, and therefore I can justify why I'm maybe not pushing. But I feel like when we realize that, hey, we're all, we're all people and we are all ordinary people and there is no person who's got more resources. And Tony Robbins says this, right? It's not a lack of resources, it's a lack of resourcefulness. And yep. when you've got these goals and this, this vision and you believe in what you're doing you're able to find the resources because you're you're looking for them you know what i mean and i think that that's right people as we sort of start to climb the pyramid so to speak it feels like like if you ever climbed a ladder and you're not paying attention and you're just climbing it and it's easy versus mm -hmm. you're climbing a ladder and then you're like holy crap i'm really high and suddenly you change how you're climbing like oh my god i'm so high whereas if you were on the ground you wouldn't i always notice this for myself like if i'm walking next to the edge of a pool i don't think i'm going to fall in Right. If I'm next edge of a cliff, I suddenly feel like I am. Or if I'm like walking on a line on the grass, it's easy. But if it's suddenly a tightrope, it's it's really hard. And I think it's a psychological thing. It's like we, mm -hmm. we're perceiving the risk being greater. And so we use our resources differently. We use our mindset differently. And I think that the thing that I've noticed with interviewing people like yourself on the show is that the, the most successful people, even though things are scaling up and problems are getting larger and there's more risk, you're not viewing it like that. You're viewing it. Correct. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, you're viewing it still as the same sort of got to solve the problem, got to sidestep, got to figure this out versus looking down and going, holy crap, I've, I've come up so high. Well, absolutely. And, and, you know, I have five core values and one of my core values is Kaizen to get 1% better every day. And when you set micro goals and can focus on just today's issues to get 1% better, I don't need to boil the ocean and I don't need to solve all my problems today. I need to get 1% better today. Progress mm -hmm. leads to basically achieving all the results you could ever want and staying moving forward, even when things are tough, allows you to persevere. So for me, it's always been about Kaizen and it's the concept of just focusing on what can we do today to get 1% better. And like you said, as we scale and grow, sure, you know, when you're a startup company in your mom's kitchen, think problems are, are simple. But when you're an eight, mm -hmm. nine figure business and you're really trying to make things and you have shareholders and you have a lot of stress and mistakes are much more expensive, think things can feel more intimidating. Like you said, it could feel like you're at the edge of a cliff. And the way to avoid that is to focus again on just micro goals. What can we do today? Because you're right. We're all ordinary human beings and there is a success formula. Some of us might have figured it out. Others are trying to learn it. The capability is there for everyone. And you said it, it's, it's, it's not resources, it's resourcefulness. And, and that's really one of the things that truly separates those who want to do it and those who do it, uh, mm. you know, and the last thing I'll, I'll end it with is because I know the other question, just because I, I speak about it a bunch and people say, but I don't have the experience. I don't know how to start a construction company. Neither do I. I don't know how to use tools. I'm the least handy human being you'll ever meet. I can barely put Legos together. But the beauty is there's lots of people who know how to do those things. And if you build a company and a vision and you surround yourself with rock stars who are great at what they do, but maybe aren't great at starting a company or scaling a company. Mm. There's a lot of people in construction who are phenomenal, but just don't know how to run business. I'm a business guy. I can handle the business stuff. I can't handle the construction stuff. I partner with someone who knows construction, make them the CEO of We Build Stuff. Now they run construction for me. I handle all the things that they are not good at. We fill each other's gaps. And now I have a construction company. So you don't need to know how to do everything. Experience truly is the most overrated prerequisite to starting a company you could possibly have.
And I'll leave you with this anecdote. When I started Everbowl in the restaurant space, I don't have a restaurant experience. And my dad, he's a contrarian. He's a doctor. And his first response to me was nine out of 10 restaurants fail. Are you crazy? And my mom, my mom said to me, Jeff, you don't know how to cook. And all you do in the kitchen is eat and make a mess. And they're both right. But when you peel back the onion on that comment, nine out of 10 restaurants fail. But 10 out of 10 restaurants are started by people with restaurant experience. So I'm going to go get all this restaurant experience to have a 90% failure rate simply to, for what? For what purpose, right? Mm -hmm. So the reason everyone else fails is because everyone does it the same way. You know, you're lost in the forest for the trees. You're blinded by the way the industry has always done things because you've learned in the industry. I come in with fresh eyes and disruption. I come in with no preconceived notions on how the restaurant industry works. I am complete beginner novice. I'm learning real time 2016 at that time, or if it was today, 2020 best practices from the best in the industry. I'm reverse engineering all of the top experts or whatever I can learn. And then I'm applying 2020 methodology using technology, using today's thinking, not yesterday's thinking, which is what experience gives you. Obviously, the only caveat is if, you know, certain fields do require experience, if you're going to be hands-on practitioner, but if you're building a company and you can find people who can do the elements that you can't, you can start and scale companies regardless of your previous experience and truly disrupt markets and really allow yourself to be successful by doing it differently. Yeah. Two really good points there. One is that you don't have to do everything yourself and that trying to do everything yourself is the probably the fastest way to struggle, stress and failure. And that it's about looking at the gaps, right? This Again, it's how you're viewing the problem. I want a construction company, but I don't know how to build anything. Well, what do I know how to do? I know how to run businesses. So what if I find people who don't know how to run businesses, but do know how to do construction and we just swap and then boom, now you've got someone who's filling the gaps, right? It's just, and you have how, do the we, best how do we pivot? Yeah. Right? And you have the best partnership because a lot of times partnerships fail because you have redundancies. You both are good at the same thing and then you're going to think you're better at it than the other person when things don't go right yeah. or you have a differing view on how to get there. But when you truly fill each other's gaps, my CEO at WeBuild is not going to question my business acumen and I'm not going to question his construction acumen. I trust yeah. him to be an expert at what he does. He trusts me to be an expert at what I do and we fly and it allows you to create a superhero team. You know, like you mentioned, what's your superpower? My superpower is relationship capital. My superpower is surrounding myself with brilliant people who basically raise me up and I like to be the dumbest guy in the room. And by mm. doing that and, and losing the ego and letting great people around me to be great at what they do, it's allowed me to exponentially grow and scale to heights that, you know, 10 years ago seemed unattainable for me. So mm. it's really about that. It's really about recognizing what you're good at and surrounding yourself with people who are good at what you're not good at. Yeah, definitely. Because that the way you're looking at that problem is not, I'm going to go and learn construction. Like we said, you tip over the milk. In some cases you have to put the lid back on again, but you're going to view it in terms of how do I solve the problem where the problem doesn't exist oh man, I don't know how to swing a hammer. I've got to figure that out. No, I'm just going to hire someone who can swing a hammer for me. Um, That's right. I love, I love that. And you made another really good point about kind of the old way of doing things and, and being stuck in how everyone else does it. If, if 100% of people are starting restaurants and they all have restaurant experience and 90% of them fail, it's probably why because no one's thinking outside the box. So they're just doing the same things in the same way because they think that's the only way of doing it. And healthcare is an, is an amazing example of that. The higher up you go, in terms of qualifications, the more stuck in the pattern people are. When I'm dealing with medical specialists, oncologists, surgeons, things like that, really stuck in how they do things because there is no 
outside thought. It's a lot of groupthink because it takes so long to get there and so much experience and skill, which is amazing. But then when you want to turn that into a business, because you've spent 15 years becoming the surgeon, you've got no concept of the business. And so Mm. it's uncomfortable because you ask your colleagues and they say, this is how you do it, but they're doing it from their experience, which is no experience. And so you have to break that groupthink up so that you're seeing things differently. The way that I grew my business is I I took it from the, the coaching consulting model. I said, I don't want to go to health workshops and stand at farmers markets, meeting people and waiting for referrals and hopefully doctors will send me clients. I want to use the internet. And so I said, what are all of these online business people doing? And then I just took that stuff and I reverse engineered it and applied it to healthcare. And that's how I grew my health companies and, and my clients' companies quickly because I thought about it differently. It's uncomfortable for some people because we get certainty in doing what everyone else is doing, but rarely will you get what you really want if you do what everyone else is doing because what they're doing is producing the status quo that it is. And if you're wanting to go outside that, you need to do things differently. So there's this kind of jump you have to take. So I feel like you've kind of already answered it, but let me ask, how do you go from, I know I need to be doing stuff differently to actually going and doing it differently when everyone else around you is saying, that's not how it works. They're telling you, you got to do it like this. You got to do it like that. But none of them are coming from an experience of understanding how to be an innovator, but you know that you need to. How do you make that jump? Because I know that for some people, it's difficult. I'm someone who just pushes against and says, I'm going to do it anyway. But a lot of us are not like that. You know well, what I mean? I, I, think, I think the first piece of advice I'll, I'll share that everyone should take to heart is never put too much stock in anyone's opinion who doesn't have to live with the outcome. I can give you all the advice I want. It's not my company. I don't live with the outcome. So people shouldn't put that much stock in other people's opinions. You take it, you listen. If they have good advice, apply it. But at the end of the day, you know you need to do it differently. So go forward in your own. If you don't make it, you can always revert back to their strategy, right? That's the mm-hmm. beauty. And most people are like, they think of themselves as poles or, or a wall. And it's like, okay, this is the foundation. This is how the company's going to be run. You need to be a flag. If the wind changes, you have to be able to start going in that direction and be able to pivot. Pivoting is one of the critical components to running a business. You look at, and I, I'm assuming you had Blockbuster in Australia and New Zealand, but well, they're gone. Not anymore. <laughs> right, but you used to. Yeah. They yeah, should have yeah, been yeah. Netflix, right? They yeah. should have been Netflix. The, because they didn't pivot when the, when the industry changed and the world changed to digital, because they weren't a flag and they were a wall, they were Blockbuster. We do DVDs and VHS and, and that's what we do. Netflix came and took them out. Apple was able to do that to BlackBerry because BlackBerry didn't pivot. They weren't a flag. And they were trying to stay and do the same things they were doing yesterday, hoping it was going to work tomorrow. The only constant in life is change. Tomorrow, there's going to be new stuff. That is why you listen to these podcasts. That's why you work with experts who can teach you new methods and new models. That's why you have mentors and coaches and you take courses and you buy into master classes and groups because you need to stay constantly learning. So that way, when people give you that archaic advice, you smile, you listen, and you move forward. There was a time smoking wasn't bad for you right? There was a time that fat in food made you fat. There was a time that carbohydrates in food made you fat. There was a period in time in the 20s when exercise, if you ran too hard, they thought you were going to have a heart attack and that exercising was bad. Things and information is always changing. And so all you can do and all I do is make sure that I'm constantly learning today. I don't need to read the history of an industry to know how restaurants were run in 1995. I want to know how they're being run in 2020. What are the top mm. restaurants in the world doing today? Because I'm in the restaurant space and I want to compete. What are they doing that are successful? So you isolate. Look at what Amazon's doing. Amazon started as a bookstore. 
Now it's the largest digital marketplace in the world. Not no one's even close. That's what you get to learn from. You know, Jeff Bezos, when he started Amazon, he didn't say, well, what is Barnes and Noble doing? I don't know if you have Barnes and Noble, but it's a bookstore chain. You know, you, you don't need to look and copy the way it was done. You need to disrupt and be innovative. So when people around you are saying, hey, that's not how you do it, yada, yada, yada. My answer is always, listen, you want to join the team and, and, and put skin in the game with me? I mentally go through this. I don't actually say it. But if you want to put your, your money up and, and, and put skin in the game, I'm going to trust your advice a whole lot more. If you're just giving me your opinion, I'm going to smile. I'm going to ask questions to make sure that we're maintaining good dialogue. I'm going to pick your brain for any nuggets that I find valuable. But I'm going to go forward on a path and a, and a try something my way. And if it doesn't work, I'm going to adjust because I be, I'm always a flag. And I'm never going to hold a line too firm. We do it this way today. That doesn't mean tomorrow I won't go the complete other direction if the wind changes. Because yeah, you've got to stay yeah. nimble and pivot. Yeah, hundred percent. And and that's where we get stuck is we're we're holding on, not wanting to let go of the side of the pool to actually have some fun because we're so worried about things that are not in our control. Instead of just going with the wind and pivoting, we're like, no, I'm going to stay solid, and because that gives me certainty. And that certainty, at least I know that I'm like this. And people will ride that out. Like people will go down with the sinking ship because they just don't want to let go of the side. And, Boy, and, like- and, and let me say, let me say the suspense, things are going to go wrong. I don't care which mm. path you choose. Things are going to go wrong. You're going to hit obstacles, worldwide pandemics, financial meltdown crisis, customers not paying the bill, big customer or clients of yours going out of business, vendors raising rates, Think, things just happen, right? Mm. There's no way to avoid it. So, and I think the financial crisis hopefully taught a lot of people that, you know, oh, I don't want to start my own company because I have this safe, secure job. And then the company lays them off because they're downsizing because of a worldwide financial crisis. There is no certainty in life. So, you know, the goal is not to hold rigid. Try it. Make that investment in education. Join that that master group. Take that course. Hire that mentor. Hire that coach. See if you can't add value to your company. And if it doesn't work, try something else. That's the beauty. I mean, good, successful people fail, 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 fail until they figure it out. And then everyone just recognizes their wins. You know, like you look at Edison, it took him thousands of tries before he figured out the light bulb. And Walt Disney Mm -hmm. failed many times before he figured out Disney. And, you know, the list goes on and on and on of all of the very, very, very uber successful people we know and put on that pedestal. What you don't realize is they failed more times than you have. Yeah, they just kept going. They just kept. They just keep going. They were they were failing forward and learning from it. Right? They're not going. Oh, right. it's the end of the world. The number of people that I talk to, who won't join my coaching program, for example, because they've done one course, or they bought something, or they did one program and they had a bad experience, or they didn't get a result, or it didn't make the millions of dollars, and so then they say that said, I'm not going to do anything else, and instead they're going to either do nothing right? And hope, because there's an element of like, I hope something comes along, or I'm just going to watch a whole lot of videos and download PDFs and try and figure it out myself. And I feel like that's always the worst way to do it because you're investing the one resource you don't get back, which is time. Mm-hmm. And modeling people who are successful is, is always going to be the fastest track. And knowing that just because something didn't work exactly the way that I wanted it doesn't mean I didn't learn from it. I've spent so much money on coaching programs and courses and mentoring and testing things. And all of it has led to where I am now because now I have all of that knowledge, but it becomes profitable because I keep applying what I've learned. You lose when you stop. Warren Buffett says it right with, with stock. You're losing when you take your money out. If you're playing the long game, it's always going to go up. Like my stock in Apple Mm -hmm. dropped 
and now it's back up again. Tesla is all over the place, but Tesla was up and then it was down and yeah. my friends sold. And I'm like, no, I'm going to hold on. Cause I'm not, I'm not betting on this over the next two months. I'm betting on this over the next 10 years. And it's always going to go up. I lose when I take my money out. Uh, and the stock market is an amazing example of that because there's so much hype around it that people lose their money because they see it going down and, and they're worried about losing. So they sell, but don't quote me on this, but uh, I think it was Buffett said the same thing is that if you, if you're looking at the stock market from the 200 years or whatever it's been around, it's always gone up on average, no matter what, because well, you're betting against the whole economy. That's and and the truth is gonna, when it goes down is actually the time to buy more. Double down. <laughs> and right? that's when I, mean, I, when I fail, I double down on it. You're getting value and you nailed it. I mean, I think if you look at a commonality amongst successful people in any industry, whether or not you're an athlete or an entertainer, you know, Tiger Woods, LeBron James, Jeff Bezos, it doesn't really matter what the top people in whatever field, one of the commonalities amongst them is coach. You know, I, I can't stress the importance of always having a coach that you pay money to in everything you do if you want to get good at it for lots of reasons. I don't, Tiger Woods is a better golfer than his golf coach, right? LeBron James is a better basketball player than his basketball coach. Beyonce is a better singer than her singing coach. Why do you have a coach? Because a coach keeps you accountable to get that last 5% out of you, even if you are at the top of your game. A coach is there to give you situational knowledge and expertise, help you avoid paying the dummy tax, allow you to scale and grow and know that someone's there to keep you consistent and push you to be your best version of yourself. That's why you invest in a coach. And when you exchange money for that service, you get to hold them accountable too. And that's how you get the best and last little bit of growth. Uh, I have business coaches and I make more money than probably most of my business coaches. I have three business coaches. One of them makes a lot more money than me, but two of them, I make more money than they do, but they give me perspective that I want. So I pay mm -hmm. them money and they hold me accountable to different things. Mm -hmm. I always, always, always pay a business coach, you know, or I'm part of a group. You know, when I had a digital marketing company, I, I had a version, a coaching system similar to what you do in the healthcare side for digital marketing companies. And I was part of this group and we met and there was a group of us and it was great because I got to learn from others' mistakes that I didn't have to make. And rising tides lifts all boats. So if you're sitting there and you are listening to this podcast and you're going, yeah, but you know what? I've been burned before. I just don't think I'm going to get a lot of value. You don't have to do it. But when you're not as successful, just remember this specific conversation. And let me tell you, as one aspiring person who, who tries to get better every day, I got exponentially more wealth and success in my business and profession when I started hiring coaches than ever before. And I've had bad coaches. I've changed them. Doesn't mean you're going to have one coach forever not one coach works for everybody. Exactly. It's not a massive investment. You give it a try. If you don't get the results, you find another coach. You don't not get coaching. The act of coaching isn't the problem. It's just your previous coaches were bad coaches for you. Their style mm. didn't mesh well. And that's why you see in professional sport, coaches change all the time. You've never seen a professional sports team without a coach. Exactly. An amazing example, and I think a relevant example too, is I pay a personal trainer when I go to the gym. Not yep. because I don't know how to exercise. Not because I couldn't YouTube the videos myself, how to do a bicep curl, I could YouTube it. Bicep curl variations, you could YouTube it. It's not the knowledge, it's the accountability and the mm -hmm. fact that I'm going to show up when my coach is there. And I feel it. I'm with my trainer and we're running a little bit late and he says, look, James, I'm going to leave you for this last couple sets. I'm going to go to my other client. I'll see you on Thursday. I see them four times a week. And I'm like, great. Coach leaves quality of reps goes down, rest yep. time goes up. I check my phone and it's like, I know 
but I'm feeling this autopilot happening of going back into my life because I'm not in the zone with my coach at that time. And that's a big thing that I've noticed with, with coaching is that it's not the knowledge, it's the guidance, the implementation, the accountability, because I could do it. He's just standing there watching me do my reps, but the mere fact of that happening and the guiding me, the seeing things, the things that I can't see, right? Forest of the trees and all that kind of stuff is, yep. is so important. That's the difference between whether I get the outcomes I want or I just get sweaty and never kind of get there. You know what I mean? Totally. So I, and, and I started doing, yeah. I started coaching a couple of years back. So I have a handful of clients that I help uh, aspiring entrepreneurs and current entrepreneurs, and I help them with their business and I use my relationship capital. And I can tell you that some of them, the first few are still with me today. I have some that have left me, but they all say something similar to that, which is you don't necessarily know my industry better than I do, right? That's what they tell me. But mm. what I give them is I hold them accountable to make sure that they're their best self and they are giving 100%. So mm. it's like your gym example is great because it's the gym, but for, for practical business purposes, right? If I'm in the healthcare space, I want to find a coach like you. I want mm. someone to hold me accountable to make sure that I'm learning best in breed. It's all that research and homework you've done is going to help elevate me because at the end of the day, we're in business to make money and to grow and, and scale big companies and be successful. Yeah. Why wouldn't you want the hack? Why wouldn't exactly. you want to know the cheat codes? Yeah. Right. These are the cheat codes. So, so it's like, if you don't know, then you don't know. But the whole concept is you're learning from other people who've been there. And if you go listen to all the successful people in the world and you can interview them, they all have had business coaching or have been part of coaching groups because that's what successful people do. They don't leave anything to chance right? Mm -hmm. Part of being successful is taking chance out of it. I want every bit of information and I don't want to have to spend the time to research because time is my most valuable asset. So I want to pay a coach like you to help me to make sure that you're holding me accountable and that every waking minute I'm working, I'm working on progressing my company, not learning something that you've already learned that could tell me in five minutes and just readjust me just a little bit, right? Mm -hmm. Because like sailing, if you're one degree off, you're hundreds of miles off. Yeah, hundred percent. I love it. Where can our audience connect with you online? So you can connect me on LinkedIn or Instagram at Fenster Jeff. For those of you, I, and this is just an offer I make, it's free. I'm a LinkedIn learning professor as well. I have a couple of courses on LinkedIn learning. So if you're a LinkedIn member and you want to take a couple of free courses, one on relationship capital and one on creating a buzz with no money for your company, hit me up and I'll send it to you for free. Don't click the button and pay for it. I don't want your money. You can email me connect at jefffenster.com or you can connect with me on Facebook. Amazing. I'm definitely going to make sure that's in the show notes because I think everyone needs to check that out. That's super valuable. Thank you so much for coming on the show, my friend. Today's episode was amazing. And it's a topic that we cover a lot, but it's something that we just, we need to be hearing more, you know what I mean? And, and hearing it from people, different perspectives on it. And it comes back to the same thing is you need coaching. You need to be mentored. You need to be supported. Going in alone, you might be able to go fast in the short term, but to go far, you need people both in your business, but also in your life to, to guide you. So really appreciate your amazing episode and uh, we'll catch up soon. Thank you so much for having me. Take it easy. Thank you for listening to the show. If you like the episode, please hit subscribe and leave us a review. I'd really appreciate it as it helps us get our episodes out to more people just like you who want to know how to increase their revenue, impact more people and build businesses that work for the lifestyle they want. Now, I know your time is valuable and I know that you are here to learn the secrets to success in your health business. So I have something special for you just for checking out the episode. Now, if you're a health professional, coach, or trainer in business, and you're serious about growing a profitable, impactful business, then pay attention because as a listener of the show, I want you to win. And so I've created a host of resources available exclusively for listeners of the show. So if you're tired of trying to figure out this game of business, marketing, and sales all on your own, 
and you're ready to just implement what's already proven to work rather than reinventing the wheel, I want you right now to go and check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. That's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. And there you'll find over $5,000 worth of trainings, resources, and coaching available only for listeners of the show. Again, that's healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider. There I'll give you resources on everything from how to acquire 10 times more of your ideal clients using social media and paid ads, even referrals, how to increase your client conversion into packages at an 80 to 90% conversion rate like me, how to retain your clients for longer, getting them better results and making them happier, how to increase your prices and charge a premium to work with you and how you can build a six, multi-six, even seven-figure practice just like I did but with a tenth of the time and a tenth of the effort. What I want you to realize is that everything I teach comes from exactly what I did to have success and still have success in my own health business and I want to share that with you so you can have success too. So go check out healthcarebusinesssecrets.com forward slash insider right now and let me help you win big in your health business. Also remember to subscribe for two episodes every week full of the secrets to have success in your health business as well as leave us a review so we know what you thought of the show. And I'll see you on the next episode.